Essential NLP. Practical skills for a great life. Hi, and a very warm welcome from me, your host, Phil Parker, to this episode 87 of Essential Skills of NLP. And today I'm going to be covering something that came up in a lecture last night by Marty Seligman, who's I've talked about before on this podcast, who's the founder of Positive Psychology. Um, and what he talked about refers, interestingly, to some stuff we covered in the previous podcast in uh, Essential Skills 86. So Marty's been around for a while. He, he was a, a golden boy of psychology. Um, he discovered something called learned helplessness, um, where putting dogs into cages and electrocuting them, he, he, he saw that they learnt that they uh, couldn't escape and eventually just gave up. And what was interesting about this, apart from being quite sad for the dogs, it was interesting because up until that point, a behaviourist model had existed in, in psychology, which was basically its idea of stimulus-response stimulus response wasn't happening in this case because somehow the dog was overriding the sense of being electrocuted. Marty talked a lot about how over the last 50 years this this model of learned helplessness which had become very dominant that they discovered they'd actually got it wrong that uh, what was happening they thought that the learned helplessness was a learnt behavior turns out it's not a learnt behavior it's a behavior that just happens it's created by a particular part of our brain called the dorsal raphae nucleus, if you're interested, uh, which is a very ancient part of our brain. It's not a very evolved part of our brain. And that's where learned helplessness begins. And what they discovered was not that learned helplessness was learned, but it's innate. And actually, there's another bit of our brain at the front. That's the clever end, the frontal cortex. In fact, the mediofrontal cortex. And here is where we learn to control those urges. So he recognized that 50 years ago, he got it kind of slightly wrong, that learnt helplessness isn't learnt at all. What's learnt is our ability to change. And he was saying that a lot of the work that's been done with psychology is wrong. It's been looking in the wrong direction. It's been looking at problems. It's not been looking at solutions. It's not been looking at well-being, which we've talked about before. It's been looking at trouble. But also, it's had this idea that if we immerse ourselves in the trouble and understand it, we'll move forwards. Whereas... He was saying, uh, very much aligned with NLP, that actually what we need to do is create a whole new set of behaviours, a whole new way of thinking about things. And he's got a new book out now, which I'll quickly plug. He said, we are called homo sapiens, but actually there's not very much wise about humans. We should be called homo prospectus. Prospectus meaning looking forwards, looking into the future. Again, he said psychology's got this wrong. Psychology's constantly looked at the past. Where has this all come from? What's it caused by? Actually, the problem we have with, with humans is we spend so much time looking into the future. He was talking about some studies that prompted this, where they did functional MRI scans of people's brains. And they were testing, you know, if people do uh, anagrams or Scrabble or algebra, which parts of their brains light up. And when they get these people into the, the FRMRI scanners, they check out what's going on in their brain. They try and work out which part of the brain is responsible for crosswords, which part of the brain is responsible for anagrams and so on. Now, when you do science like this, of course, you need a control group. So you have a control group of people who sit in some other scanners and you say, just think of nothing. 
What they found when they looked at the people who were trying to do anagrams or crossword puzzles is it was really, really difficult to distinguish which part of their brain was working. There didn't seem to be a single part of their brain that was working that seemed to be consistent across groups. But what was interesting was when they looked at the control groups who were just asked to think of nothing, just to do nothing, their fMRI scans seemed to be consistent. They seemed to be all triggering the same patterns, the same pathways in their brains. And this has become known as the kind of default circuit. And it seems to be a circuit which, if you leave anyone alone for too long, you start to think, start to think about the future, what's going to happen next, what are you having for dinner, uh, where are you going on holiday, what will happen if this doesn't happen. And this is what he's talking about, this idea that we spend a lot of our time not being present, but throwing ourselves into our future. It's like our default pathway. So that's kind of interesting. The other thing he talked about was the reliance that people have had on studies where we research people's behaviours and how they feel about stuff by giving them a form to fill in a questionnaire. And he said the big problem with questionnaires is people lie. People try to look good in them. Uh, people make stuff up. People can't remember how ill they felt or how well they felt three weeks ago. Um, and sometimes it will depend on how they're feeling in that moment as to how they answer the questionnaires. So questionnaires have a degree to which they may not be completely real. They may not be accurate, but they're the best tool we've got. But as I mentioned on the last podcast, one of the things they've started to do at Penn State is they started to look at big data. Big data means looking at social media. What's fascinating is that people report how they feel genuinely on their social media. Yeah, and they were saying, oh, I'm having a great day today, I'm having a dreadful day today. And of course, we know that to some extent, people on Facebook and social media try and explain the great life they're having. But we also see people clearly expressing how life isn't working out for them today. They got caught in a traffic jam and so on. And as we talked about last time, noticing their language, the words they use, can give us massive insights into how well they are, what's going to happen to them. There was a word cloud they produced. They looked at thousands of women on Facebook, with their permission, what their posts were, what their status updates were. And can you guess the key word that came out? It was shopping. Now, if that isn't a stereotype, I don't know what is, but that's the word, the highest valued word, the one that ranked the most was shopping. There was other stuff like yay and love and boyfriend and uh, kindness and happiness. When they looked at uh, the guys, similar group of guys, Facebook statuses and updates, the predominant word was the F word uh, and shit um, and uh, stuff about football and sports. Again, incredibly uh, predictable to some extent if you look at stereotypes. Also in the men's, uh, the word cloud, sex appeared lots and lots. So quite interesting phenomenon. We talked last time about the incidence of congestive heart failure uh, with words like hate and anger. This comes from the similar work. One of the reasons that I found this particularly interesting was just yesterday I saw a post on Facebook by someone I know very well who I helped get well uh, from a serious illness. And you know what Facebook's like at the moment? It will display posts from five or six years ago just as memories and the post that it displayed on her timeline was before she saw me when she was ill 
And it was like, oh, I'm having another dreadful day. I feel, you know, I can bear, I can watch. I think she was watching uh, something on TV about cooking. She said, I can't even think about cooking. I only just about watch TV. And her friends were commenting, going, how's it going? I hope you're okay. You know, thinking of you. And what you've got there is a really interesting moment in time that's captured. And there is a, a question as to one day whether those comments on Facebook will actually be good quality research material because they are a very accurate and documented experience of somebody's what's going on in their lives. You can't go back and change it. You can't alter it. You could lie at the time, but you know, if there's a consistent theme, it's going to be quite an accurate representation of where you were, what was going on in your life. And therefore, when you change, you make you know changes in your life, move things forwards, that should be documented too. In a similar way, I'm sure it is on that, that lady's Facebook statuses and that will come up in a few years time so we have this real interesting possibility of capturing data in a new way and also recognizing the power once again of our words the kind of words that we use to describe what's going on in our lives i also noticed as i looked at these word clouds that i didn't particularly fit into the the normal distribution of what most men were talking about and my wife didn't fit into what most women are talking about. So these are averages, obviously, as, as with anything. But it's interesting to notice the kind of words that people are using and the kind of states they're triggering. So once again, I'd suggest look at the words you use. Look at the words you're saying to yourself. Look at the words other people use. Become aware. The first thing is just to, to gain an awareness of what are you saying to yourself? What are other people saying? What states are these creating in you? And what states would you like to be and what words would match those so play around with that if you want to check out this uh, this research have a look at marty seligman that's double l at penn state university and you'll see some really interesting stuff that's probably the future of research so until next time you take care guys bye if you like these podcast series then i think you'd really love finding out more about how we could work together best things you can do get hold of the other podcasts on itunes or get some of my extraordinary books which as i say if you like these podcasts they're very very similar life-changing fascinating ways of looking at the world and the ultimate thing you could do hey come and train with me i'd love to meet you in person let us know drop us an email phil at philparker.org or go to the website philparker.org sign up for the newsletters there you'll get instant access to some of my latest audio downloads and those downloads contain the latest research techniques and tools to change your life and improve your health so just register to get those right now and i look forward to hanging out with you in person in the very near future you take care now essential nlp skills for a great life.